Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. It's good to see you guys today. I hope your weekend has been a good weekend. Able to rest, have fun, enjoy yourself, getting ready for the week to come. If you're new, welcome. If you haven't been in, been here in a while, glad you're back. And for all, everyone that comes on a regular basis, love to see you today. We're going to jump into the Word. So we're kind of in, in uh, the second message of a little series that started last week. This will be the, the last message, so only a little uh, two-week message. Uh, today we're talking about taking back control. So last week we really talked about, if you wasn't here last week, this might disrupt some of your theology or how maybe you've been taught uh, sitting in church in the past. But if that is you, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's uh, talk so that you can uh, get the perspective uh, that we discussed last week. But we basically talked about how God owns the earth, but yet we, as humans, male and female, control the earth. That was pulled from two areas of Scripture. Psalms 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. So right there, it says it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalms 8.6 says this, You have made him, meaning humanity, male and female, to have dominion over the works of your hands. That is the earth. You have put all things under his feet. So that is just a segue into other scriptures, not get into that right now. But right there, we have evidence from scripture that God owns the earth. Humanity controls the earth. And since humanity controls the earth, humanity is the reason that the earth is the way that it is. It's not God's fault the earth is the way that it is. It's not God's fault that there's all these issues, tragedies, past, present, future. The fault is you and I. Because we don't do what God would have us to do. And when that happens, everything gets out of control. Today, I want to talk a few moments about taking back control. So, God gave control of the earth to humanity in the very beginning. And that was with Adam and Eve. You can read the creation story, and it's very plain and simple. But what occurred is Adam and Eve lost control. They lost control when they disobeyed God and they obeyed Satan to partake of the fruit that God said, do not eat. When they did that simple act, they simply lost control They lost authority, dominion, they lost power, they lost rulership over the earth, and they basically handed the reins over to Satan. It was after that moment that the earth went into absolute chaos. That's when all hell broke loose. That's when sin began to multiply and manifest. That's when a major anti-God segment began to develop. That's when a culture and a a civilization began to develop, but yet it was an anti-God civilization. And what I mean by that is if you study what happened after Cain and Cain's lineage, from Cain came a civilization. A civilization, from what we know in Scripture, did not come from Adam and Eve, And it did not come from Adam and Eve's third son, Seth. When you study Cain's lineage and you study what happened from Cain's family, you will see that the arts was created. You will see uh, that uh, ranching was developed. Uh, uh, You will see that, uh, did I say the arts? I said the arts. Uh, What else? What else? What else? The development of buildings, buildings and construction. And this... The Bible doesn't directly say this. There is a theory and concept, but we don't know if it's accurate or not. So I'm just going to throw this possibility at you that prostitution began from uh, Cain's uh, daughter. So anyway, what we have is after 
Adam, Adam and Eve sinned, the world went into shambles because Adam and Eve lost control. If Adam and Eve would have maintained control, the earth would not have went into shambles the way that it went into shambles. Adam and Eve was forgiven. Adam and Eve was brought back to God. God made provision for mercy for them. He clothed them. They was removed from the garden, and yet still all hell broke loose. It even says like during Noah's days that there was no righteous, that the earth was full of evil and wickedness. And when God looked upon the earth, he regretted the creation of the earth. Why? Because rulership and authority changed and it became Satan's. That's why in different areas of scripture, it refers to the ruler of this world and the ruler of this world being Satan. But it didn't stay the same. What's interesting is what God did allow through his children. So God developed his own nation, as we know it, the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel became a people that God moved in the midst of. There were signs and wonders there was miracles. There was this manifestation of God's presence and God's power. But when you really dial into that, what you see God moving was not from the control of his people, but God moved from the choice of his people. There's a difference when God moves because of the control of his people, and there's a difference when God moves because of the choice of his people. See, God's children in the Old Testament still did not have the control of the earth. They were not ruling the earth. The earth was being ruled by Satan. But yet, God's children had a choice to make. And if they was to just make the right choice, it would allow God to move amongst them in spite of who controlled and who ruled the earth. That's why God told uh, Joshua before they went into the promised land, meditate on my word day and night. Do not leave it or do not let it leave you. Obey it and you will find success. Be courageous. Do not fear. But even though that was the case, God moving amongst his people because of choice as opposed of control, that changed. Now, it's very, very, very important to recognize changes that occurred uh, in the practical or the natural and in the spiritual when Jesus started his ministry. Because when Jesus started his ministry, change immediately began to change in the heavens and immediately began to change on the earth. I'm going to prove that to you a little bit more here in a few moments. But this first verse I want us to look at is John chapter 12, verse 31. Now, can you say now? Oh, help me out. Help me out. Help a brother out. Now, now is the judgment of this world. Now, can you say now again? Now. The ruler of this world will be cast out. Now. So the first part, now the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. That, that means that Jesus Christ, he became the judgment. He became the curse. Instead of the world dying because of sin, Jesus Christ died because, this, uh, because of sin. He took on the judgment of this world. That's why he said, now is the judgment of this world. This particular time in Jesus' life is right before he was about to enter into the last stages of his earthly ministry. He was about to go through the process of betrayal, uh, uh, torture, and then, of course, uh, 
crucifixion. And he was like, now is the judgment of this world. Now I'm about to die so the world might be saved. I am taking on the burden of sin. I am becoming the curse. So humanity does not have to. And then he goes on to say, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. It's very interesting. You come across four satanic castings. When I say satanic, I mean specifically Satan being casted out. Not talking about demons being casted out, but Satan being casted out. The first one is he was cast out of heaven when he betrayed God in heaven. The second one, which is this one, is he was cast out of his rulership on earth. The third one is he will be cast into, not out of, but he will be cast into a bottomless pit. And then the fourth one is he will be cast into the lake of fire. But this is the second one. What happened right here at this statement from Jesus is, is Satan was booted off of his throne, per se, and he lost rulership of having control over the world when Jesus simply made this statement. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Satan does not have the same control that he once did. He just doesn't. Because he no longer is the ruler of this world. He wasn't cast out of this world. He was allowed to remain on the earth. And this is God's sovereign, God's sovereign choice and will. He will not be cast out of the world until he's cast into the bottomless pit. Then after that, he will be given an opportunity to come back and do some more damage. And then he will be cast out a fourth time. And that is when he is ultimately cast out and we won't ever or the world, or whoever, will never deal with Satan again. But at this moment, he lost control, and he had to start roaming the earth as a scavenger. That's why the Bible says he is seeking whom he might devour. So Satan, at this moment in time, is nothing more than a scavenger roaming the earth to and fro with his dominions, or minions, not dominion, even though they have dominion over certain areas, minions trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But the only control that they have is the control that humans give them. Let me tell you this again. The only control that Satan has over your life is the control that you give him. The only control that Satan has over our communities is what the community collectively gives him. He doesn't have control. He doesn't have rulership. He is not the king of the world anymore. Who is the king of the kings now? Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Amen? Now let me give you a little bit more uh, a solid foundation here. So Jesus had 72 disciples and he empowered them uh, for ministry. And this is what the Bible says. It, it, it really gives us another view into uh, control and authority uh, taken from Satan and given over to God's children. Luke 10, 17 starts this way. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Exclamation point. All right, I got more to read, but let's just look at this a second. It's very important to kind of break this down and get a big understanding of this. So when the 72 came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, exclamation point. They said that in a context or a sense, sense that this is not something that they are accustomed to. They was not accustomed to have an authority. 
They was not accustomed to having power. They wasn't accustomed to having control. They were used to being controlled and being manipulated. They were used to the devil abusing them. But now they're saying, Lord, even us, we have control or the demons is subject. And this is key, even though I can't jump into it, to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like heaven or like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let me pull the pastor card. And hit the pause button and just say something. There is a movement in certain churches across the nation right now. It's where people is getting all demon crazy. They're searching for demons. They're looking for demons. They're trying to pull demons out of people that demons don't exist. And whenever there is a demonization, they get all happy. They, get, they start rejoicing. And they feel like there's something special because they cast a demon out. Jesus plainly said... To his disciples that actually exercise that authority, don't get happy and don't get excited because you can cast a demon out. But be happy and get excited that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? Beware of ministries and churches and leaders that is all about casting demons out, rebuking demons, delivering people from demons. It happens and it will happen. I've done it before, but it ain't nothing to get happy about because it's not our power that's doing it. It's the power of Jesus Christ that's doing it. Amen? I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but I'm, I get a little aggressive on that one. It irritates me. That the spirits are subject to you. The spirits are subject. So we see, because of Jesus, everything changed. But one could argue, well, that was for the 72, because Jesus specifically chose the 72, and the 72 was specifically given the authority. So they have the authority, but guess what? We don't. Can someone say, not today, Satan? Don't say that looking at your neighbor, right? That's not what I meant. Let's jump to another book in the gospel. Fast forwarding a bit in the life of Jesus. John 16, 13. However, can you say however? I, I, that, that's a perfect like, moment for that word however. Because if you're sitting there thinking, this ain't for me or this ain't for the church today, uh, this is just for the 72. I got a word for you. However, instead of speak to the hand, look at somebody and say, however. However, when he, the spirit of truth, this is key, spirit of truth, has come, talking about the Holy Ghost, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, here is the, the kicker. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, let's just jump back to Luke 10. What happened? Jesus took what was his, this authority, this power, and this control over Satan, and he gave it to the 72. Now, Jesus was at the end of his time here on earth, and he, prior to that, he said, I have to go so that the Spirit can come. If I don't go, the Spirit won't come. And so there was this exchange of leadership, an exchange to where Jesus is going to be removed from earth and the spirit of God was going to come and remain on earth to lead us. That's why the Bible teaches us that the spirit of God is our leader. And now 
the Bible was telling us that the Spirit of God will take what is Jesus's and he will give it to us. Just like Jesus took what was of his own and he gave it to the 72. What did Jesus give to the 72? The power to control. What does the Holy Spirit give to us? That is Jesus's. The power to control dominion, uh, uh, the works of the enemy, and what the enemy is trying to do on the earth. Can I get it right on? We have the control over Satan. But the key is that simple phrase, the spirit of truth. Please hear me. We only have control through the spirit of truth. Look at somebody and say, you ain't a bag of chips and all that. You ain't. You ain't nothing special. I'm nothing special. What's special is the spirit of truth. So I cannot take control in my own intellect, in my own strength, with my own talents. I only have dominion, authority, and power through the spirit of truth. This speaks of the Holy Spirit, and this speaks of God's word. The Bible says in Acts 1-8 that when the spirit comes upon us, we shall receive power. So where does the power to control come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. But it also comes from the Spirit of God leading us according to what? The Word of God. If we are not operating by the Word of God, living by the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, then we are not living by the Holy Spirit. And if you won't control over the work of the enemy in your life, If you want to receive everything that God has for you, if you want the blessings that God has said, uh, yes and amen for your life, then you're going to have to be a person of the spirit of truth. There's no way around about it. It's not going to happen any other way. If you want power, if you want authority, if you want control, if you want to take back what the enemy has stolen, it's only, I'll get it out here in a second, it's only going to happen through the spirit of truth. Amen? So if we're not living by the spirit, We're not going to have control, authority, nor dominion. So what does that mean? We have to choose. Can someone say choose? So whereas Israel only had choice and not control, we have choice and control. Israel only worked based off of God's sovereign control. Amen? That has changed. But what we have to realize is that our control is dictated by our choice. Period. Let me prove this to you. Start in Galatians. Got a few scriptures to read, or a few uh, verses to read. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. So that's not an exhaustion of, uh, that is not an exhausted list. It says, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past. This is the kicker. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me repeat that, because we got to camp out on this a second for us to get a full understanding. That those who practice such things 
will not, can you say will not, inherit the kingdom of God. When we choose the flesh over the spirit, which is the spirit of truth, we lose control. Which means we do not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let's look at the kingdom of God in brief because it is a very large topic. When you look at the kingdom of God, specifically in the Gospels, there's two main context. There's, there's another that has to do with Satan, but there's two really main context when it comes, when it's for us, when it comes to the kingdom in the Gospels. Number one is what we would consider heaven, where we go when we die or where we go, where we're going to go uh, if God was to return while we're still living. But there is another meaning for the kingdom of God, and it has to do with what God is doing on earth. So it's important to realize this because the kingdom on earth is what we will not inherit if we practice the flesh which opposes the spirit. Let me, let, let me ask you this question. Who is an inheritance for? The timing of it. It's for when you're still living. So if a person died, left you an inheritance, and then you died, would you still have that inheritance? No. So the Bible says, what I just read in Galatians, if we practice these things that oppose the spirit of truth, I keep tripping over this thing, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, we will not inherit the kingdom of God while we are living. So again, in the gospel, the kingdom of God is spoken in the context of the afterlife, but it's also spoken in the context of the current life. Let me read you a, a few verses and, 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 and lightly expound. So Matthew 4, 7, 4, 17 says, From the time that Jesus began to preach, okay, this is from the beginning of his ministry, to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when Jesus started his ministry, he was saying, repent. In other words, Changed because repentance is not, I'm sorry, Lord. Repentance is changing one's ways that opposes the Lord. Okay? So technically, Jesus was saying, repent. Make your changes. Change what you've been choosing. Your choices that oppose the word of God. That oppose the spirit of truth. Because the kingdom of God is now, is at hand. Here's another one, Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So that's Jesus talking about casting a demon out. And he's talking to a group of religious people, but he says, if I cast a demon out of you, then the kingdom of God comes upon you. What is really happening there? In order to cast a demon out of a person, you got to have control or authority or, a do, or, or dominion to remove that demon out of somebody. And the Bible is saying that when that demon is removed some, from somebody, that means the kingdom of God has come upon somebody. The kingdom of power. The kingdom, God's kingdom of power, control, authority, dominion. Another one, Luke 10, 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as, as are set before you. And heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
So we see that the kingdom of God is present when people are healed, when demons are casted out, basically when God's power manifests here on earth right now. And then a Luke 11, 2 says this, talking about the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So you see... When the Bible speaks of the kingdom in the Gospels, it is literally talking about a marriage, a fusion between the heavenly and the earthly. It is talking about an exchange of control and power. Jesus alluded to if a demon was to be casted out, then the kingdom would be upon them. Jesus, or the Bible teaches us that when someone was sick and they were healed, the kingdom was near. So we see that the kingdom of God in reference to the gospels is for the afterlife, but it's also for the now life. So when Jesus died, part of our inheritance was not just where we were going to go, but part of our inheritance is what we have the capability of exercising right now here on earth. Kingdom authority and kingdom power, just like it was in heaven. There was kingdom authority in heaven because God took Satan and he casted him out of heaven. And Jesus said, Lord, uh, what did he say? Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just like in heaven, there is the power to cast Satan out of that domain on earth as children of God, who's living by the spirit of truth. We have the authority to cast Satan out of our domain. And we can take back control. But we forfeit control when we don't live by the spirit of truth. It's that simple. Live by the spirit, have control. Don't live by the Spirit, lose control. God is not a respecter of people. He doesn't look at one and say, oh, you you know, you're, you're worthy of this power, and look at another one and say, oh, you're not worthy of this power. No, we all are on the same playing field. We all get a chance to bat and hit home runs. And whether we strike out or not is... On the way we can see the ball and the way we can swing. Amen? You and I have a free will to choose. And what we choose determines what kind of power and what kind of control that we have. I touched on this last week, and I touched, this, uh, 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 I touched on this a couple Wednesdays ago. The world is in the predicament that it is in because human beings have made evil, wicked, selfish, greedy, envious choices. That's why. It's not God's fault. And now that we are in the new covenant, it's not even Satan's fault. Satan didn't make you do anything. It's our fault. It's it's plain and simple. Live by the spirit of truth. Receive the authority from heaven. Plain and simple. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to have to work at it. And it doesn't mean everything's just even across the board. You remember when the disciples couldn't cast a demon out of somebody? And Jesus came along, and man, he just showed that he was, he, he was the man. And he just spoke to that demon, and that demon, boom, 
was casted out. And the disciples were like, hey, what, what, what's, what's up, brother? Help a brother out. And Jesus was like, these kind can only be casted out through much prayer and fasting. So we have different levels of demonic activity. I think I have it listed here. Let me read you this. For we wrestle, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, this, uh, of the darkness of this age. You notice it said the rulers of the darkness of this age. It doesn't say the rulers of this world. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Like it, 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 I don't want, I, I, I don't, I don't want to throw it out there as if, oh, all you got to do is follow the spirit of truth and everything's going to be easy. Is war, ever easy. is war ever easy? Is any kind of battle, any kind of fight, is it ever easy? You might have the power to fight. You might have the knowledge. You might have the experience. You might be trained for it. But there's still a lot of effort, a lot of work. It is still hard. There was still sacrifice. There was still pain. There was still loss. We are in a battle. But I'm hoping to encourage you, but at the same time give you a directive, that even though you are in a battle, and even though it might be hard, you still have the upper hand as a child of God as long as you live by the Spirit of truth. So as we speak, and I'm coming to an end, As we speak, there is a battle in the heavens. And this battle is for earthly control. Satan wants control. Because he knows if he can get control, he can still kill and destroy The battle we are in now is a different battle that was occurring, let's say, in the Old Testament. A new battle began, a change of intensity, per se. Because Matthew 11, 12 says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force think about it until and from from is a starting place and from the days of John the Baptist from means starting John the Baptist shows us the starting point or the time it says the kingdom of heaven suffers struggles with deals with violence and the violent take it by force it shows us the enemy knew what was coming because you have to understand what was occurring when John the Baptist was preaching John the Baptist the Bible says is the greatest prophet ever the Bible says that John the Baptist prophesied in the spirit of Elijah another heavyweight And what John the Baptist did is he prophesied not the Messiah is coming. He also prophesied and preached that the kingdom of heaven is now. He was preaching. People was changing their heart. Their mind was turning from a dark age because for 400 years at the end of Malachi to what we come across in scripture 
the beginning of the Gospels, it was 400 years. There was no words. God did not speak to his people for 400 years. It was darkness. It was struggle. It was hard. No words. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here's this man who looks different, acts different. He wore camel hair. He ate locusts in honey. He lived in the desert. It is believed that he had really long hair because he was a Nazarite and he had dreadlocks. Because when you live in the desert, you can't really wash and comb. You know what happens with long hair? We don't wash and comb, you get dreadlocks. He looked different. He acted different. He was different. And then out of nowhere, he preached such a powerful word. The people of the earth was so hungry that he didn't have to go to them. They went to him. He didn't go to Jerusalem to preach. He didn't go to the synagogues. He didn't go to the cities. He didn't go to the streets. He preached in the desert. And people came to the desert. And what he began to preach created faith. It created hope. It created expectation of what was about to ha- what was about to happen. Because what was about to happen is Jesus Christ was going to come onto the scene. And Jesus Christ was going to start his ministry. And when Jesus Christ came onto the scene, there was a change of authority. There was a change of control. There was a change of power. Satan lost his position because of Jesus Christ. And Satan knew this. And so what happened when John the Baptist began to preach and hope began to develop and faith began to develop and insight began to develop and expectation for the coming Messiah began to develop. All of a sudden, the evils and the wickedness and the darkness began to rise up and they waged war on the heavenlies. And we are still in that war. But how do we fight? We fight through choice. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Guess what? You cannot get into a grudge match with the demon. It's not going to happen. But we fight with choice. The first battle the very, very first battle of the human existence between good and evil was not a knockout, drag out, lay lay it on the line fight. It was a fight of choice. Satan gained control by choice. Satan killed Abel through Cain by Cain's choice. The world was evil in Noah's day by choice. Sodom and Gomorrah was decimated by choice. We are saved by choice. And if we want to take back control, if we want to receive what God has promised us, if we want to live in the blessings and the power of Almighty God, it's going to be by a choice of us living by the spirit of truth and not by the spirit of this dark age. is that you and I may, may, could make the right choices. And that's all good for our life, for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. So you can make wonderful choices that will make your home, your life, your marriage, your family, and the blessings of God. But the problem is, We live in a world that so oftentimes does not make the same choice. So that just makes it that much harder for us. And we have to deal with the outcome of other people's choices that does not choose to live by the spirit of truth. Us as a church, 
The more people we have choosing the spirit of truth, the more powerful our church will be. The more of God will be in it. More of the spirit will be in it. More signs and wonders, more blessings, more of God. But if only some of us is choosing to live by the spirit of truth and others are not, guess what? It, it, because we are a collective body. Once we step into that kind of this zone, this atmosphere, we all together become one body and Christ is our head. And because of that, What happens in this context is not just based off who God calls to lead this context. It has to be me and Lorana and some others. No. We can choose to live by the spirit of truth. My leaders can be can choose to live by the spirit of truth. But if other parts of the body doesn't. We all lack in some way. When I break when I when I break one limb, it affects the rest of the limbs. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was preparing dinner and. I, I didn't hold my hand right. There's a certain way you know you hold your hand when you're chopping food. And I let my finger become a little too straight. And I was, I, I was trying to be Gordon Ramsay. And I, I, I took a big chunk out of my finger. It messed the whole flow up. I'd go to the bathroom, take care of myself. I had to get Jake to come in there and help me because I knew the other people in my house at that time would pass out. Got all doctored up, wrapped my finger up so there's no, you know, blood with the food. That's quite gross. It just messed my whole flow up. Like, it just messed everything up for me. Like, I just could not flow. It just messed Number one, my finger was just throbbing. I kept looking to see if the blood was coming out from the bandages. And at one point it did. And I had to go back and do the other stuff all over again. It just messed my whole flow. But it was just, it was, I don't want to show you the finger by itself because I'll be giving you the California wave. And I don't want to do that. But just, just one finger. Just messed my whole flow up. And it, 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 it messed me up for a couple of weeks, really. Because it took a, took a good amount of time to even heal wasn't a major limb it really wasn't you know that big of a deal it just it, it, it messed my whole system up it's the same way this body is not just affected by what some leaders do this body is affected by what all of us do I'm shutting up with this. May we all, let's all make choices and changes that causes us to live by the spirit of truth so that we might live in and experience the spirit's power so that we can live in a way that God has called us to live. I just felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit to say this. This is applicable to your daily life. This isn't just church stuff. Like, I, that, you know what? When I'm speaking today, like my, my, my mind is not on church stuff. When I'm speaking this, my mind is on you, your life, and how God can bless your life outside of this place. 
if, 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 if you want to live a blessed life, experiencing the good things that God the Father has for you, you have to take back control, which means you and I, we have to live by the spirit of truth. You, you don't have to live by the spirit of the world. It's very popular to say, oh, I, we're all sinners, just saved by grace. You know, really, that's contrary to Scripture. You know the Scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me? That's not in the context of success. That is the, in the context of living righteously. Anytime the Bible begins to list things of what we should not do, it never lists things of what we should not do in the context that you're going to do them sometimes. No, when the Bible lists things that we should not do, it is always listed in the context and in the attitude that you can do, th- do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You don't have to fall. Yes, we make mistakes. and Yes, we do fall. But guess what? We don't have to. That is a lie. That can be an excuse. I'm just weak. I'm flesh. I got a sinful nature. Yeah, but you also got the spirit of Christ in you. And the Bible says that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You do not have to live and you do not have to practice the ways of the world. You don't have to. It happens, but you don't have to. So don't, don't, don't listen to the lie. This is the lie of the enemy to make you weaker and to make everybody else weaker. That, that you're human, you're just going to fall, and you're just going to sin sometimes. Yes, it does happen, and there is no judgment. And the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But let's just be honest. Even though there, is, there may not be any condemnation because you are in Christ, guess what? There is an effect on your life. There is an effect in your family. There is an effect in your church, and there is an effect in your community when you choose, and choose to live by sin or practice sin or when you make sin, sinful mistakes. Right? You don't have to. We don't have to. I'm not meaning you. Hey, I'm preaching to me too. Because homeboy ain't perfect. Let us all strive to live by the spirit of truth so we can take back control and experience all that God has for us now here on earth. Amen? Amen. Give God a good hand clap of praise. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.